new limits on liquor purchases. The BCGU's ongoing strike is not fair and it needs to end now. How the BC labor dispute is causing a shortage on store shelves and why beer isn't included. Booster shots for kids. The likelihood of a rollout before students go back to school. And blindsided by ICBC. The car came, hit my daughter and the pole at the same time. A young girl injured when a car jumped the curb, snubbed in a quest for compensation. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is away this week and we begin tonight with three separate violent stranger assaults last night in the Vancouver neighborhood of Fairview. Vancouver police are trying to figure out if one person is behind all three attacks, but they do need some help to make that determination. Kristen Robinson joins us now from Vancouver at the site of the first assault with more details. Kristen. Well, the violence began here under the south side of the Camby Bridge, where a senior was attacked, followed by two women, all within blocks of each other and within a span of just over two hours. Now, just after 6.30 Thursday evening, police say a 70-year-old man was approached from behind in the 1800 block of Spyglass Place near the False Creek Seawall. He was pushed to the ground, punched and kicked several times by a stranger. Around 45 minutes later, a 33-year-old woman was walking her dog in a lane near West 11th Avenue and Spruce Street when police say she was also attacked from behind by a man she didn't know and this time punched in the face. Then just before 8.45 p.m., the VPD says a 23-year-old woman was standing at the corner of Alder Street and Broadway when she was stabbed from behind by a stranger. She was seriously injured but is expected to survive. The suspect was last seen heading south on Alder. Given the close proximity and nature of the attacks, Vancouver police are trying to determine if the same suspect was involved. All three cases, um, the description so far that we have is a man. We don't have anything further than that. Uh, but we, we truly believe that all three were very violent in nature. And if anybody was in that area, they would have seen this happen. And so we need them to call police. So not much to go on in terms of description for a suspect or suspects who presumably are still at large, but police want to hear from witnesses. They're also canvassing for surveillance video tonight. And Chris, as you know, the VPD is still saying that their officers are responding to an average of four random attacks per day in the city. Big challenge for them. Kristen, thank you very much for that report. Kristen Robinson in Vancouver. Well, you could call it the first real hangover from the five-day strike at B.C. Liquor Distribution Centers by the BCGEU. The government is now rationing the dwindling supply of alcohol at provincially run liquor stores. Richard Zussman joins us now from Victoria with more. Richard. I am a few kilometers, Chris, away from the closest picket line, but the impact of those picket lines are being felt here at this BC liquor store and BC liquor stores across the province, having a big impact on both customers and businesses. At Cabana Nightclub, this is what's in stock. With a busy weekend ahead, owner Dave Kershaw isn't sure how long it will last. We haven't been able to get any this week, um, and that what it could ultimately mean is that we're not able to operate and that 45 people could potentially be out of work. On Friday, the province announcing sales at BC liquor stores will now be capped at three per item. For example, someone can buy three bottles of vodka plus three bottles of another vodka brand. 
For wine, it's capped at three of one type and three of another. For coolers, the cap is three six-packs or similar. Pressure on anyone relying on big purchases, from Kershaw to weddings to restaurants. Next week, we could see businesses closing, shutting down hours, laying off people, and understand the fact that we're not part of this, uh, in this dispute. The province's liquor distribution branch making the decision due to ongoing BCGU strikes at four distribution centres. The union ramping up pressure as negotiations on cost of living allowances stall. Our members who can't meet their basic needs on a monthly basis of, you know, food, rent, mortgages, gas, groceries, they aren't going to restaurants. And so when our members get a wage increase that allows them to take advantage of all of the amenities that we're talking about, it's a win-win for everyone. Private BC liquor stores making the decision not to limit purchases, but it's unclear how long that can last. Uh, they're putting a stranglehold on 40% of the supplies of alcohol that goes through this product, province. So this is not fair. Uh, this is going to be impacting local pubs, bars and restaurants who have to purchase from those stores. Uh, and customers are going to start to see stockouts this weekend. The union hoping customers won't get frustrated with the staff here, while the wine sector is encouraging those same customers to work around the BC liquor stores. We have the ability to be able to deliver directly to consumers, but also to uh, private retail stores throughout the province and to restaurants that support British Columbia wines. And I should answer, Chris, that question you posed at the beginning of the show. Why is beer not included? Well, it doesn't move through those warehouses that are currently behind picket lines. As for the province, they have sent out a statement. They say they understand the frustrations from industry and they will work with them. But it's still very much unclear, Chris, exactly what the province will do, considering many of them, including those we just heard from in the story, feel that they may have to either close down or uh, lay off staff because of these shortages. A resolution can't come soon enough. Thanks very much, Richard. Yeah. That's Richard Zussman in Victoria. Now, Health Canada has approved a COVID-19 booster shot for younger kids. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine has now been authorized to be used as a booster dose for children aged 5 to 11 years old. Health Canada says they approved the vaccine after a thorough review, saying it is safe and provides good protection against severe illness, hospitalization and death due to COVID-19. Eligible children can receive the shot six months after completing their primary vaccine series. So. You may be asking, when could BC parents of young children receive vaccination invitations? And we'll bring in Keith Baldry for more on the rollout. Keith. Yeah, the process is actually going to be a lot quicker than I think a lot of people had anticipated because the health system, uh, the public health system here and Health Canada had anticipated this. This has this not come out of the blue. So the stage is set for invitations going out very quickly. As a matter of fact, in invitations could go out to uh, parents who kids have had two shots as early as next week. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian Dix today. I expect that the invitations to go out next week, like we're approving in principle and there'll be more information on guidelines and advice on uh, early next week uh, from public health, but we'll be accepting the NACI recommendations and proceeding. 
So it's not like there's going to be a mass uh, movement here, Chris, because our vaccination rate of that age group has stalled and stalled some weeks ago, as I've been reporting. We're at about 58 percent to about 200,000 kids have had one dose and about 160,000 kids or 46 percent have had two doses. So, again, they're going to be eligible to get that booster dose in the fall. But the re registration process is going to begin next week. So it's about the parents, about 160,000 kids should be getting contacted fairly soon. And the booster doesn't come until six months after you've finished both primaries, exactly. right? So, yeah. yeah, ways to wait for a, a lot of families. Thanks very much, mm -hmm. Keith. Parents often agonize when their child is sick, and now a shortage of pain medication could make it even worse. Supplies of liquid Tylenol and Advil are dwindling nationwide. Kylie Stanton has more on what's behind the shortage in B.C. and the warning from health officials. The stock here has been dwindling for months now. No children's Tylenol or Advil, meaning no relief for sick kids or their parents. They're in very short supply. Shelves are empty. Shelves are bare. It's just the latest in a series of shortages of over-the-counter medications nationwide. What Health Canada confirms stems from challenges sourcing raw ingredients significantly higher than normal demand, as well as supply chain issues. It's almost impossible. I found it at Costco. And you could see, like, it was being, like, picked through so quickly. In a statement, it says it urges patients not to buy more medication than usual. This will help ensure that all Canadians continue to have access to the medications they need. And it will also help prevent drug shortages. If somebody is hoarding it or taking more than they need, then that means it's not available for somebody else who might need it under a different circumstance. There's always going to be options that we can give parents for children. The shortage is specific to liquid formulas. Generic brands are equally effective. There are also chewable tablets as well as suppositories. And some children may be able to take a portion of adult medication. But doctors warn parents should not try to adjust doses at home. These medications are weight-based. They're not age-based. So you can talk to your pharmacist or your doctor, give the weight of your child, and together you can compute the dose that the child is allowed to have. The good news is unlike other parts of the country, there is currently no issue with supply in the provincial health care system. And while Ontario is looking at requiring a prescription for the children who need access to the medication, BC's health minister says that's not necessary here just yet, but is also not ruling anything out. It's not inconceivable, but it's something that we monitor. And in this case, we monitor on a daily basis to make sure we're taking the measures we need to take. While there is no telling when the supply will return to normal, manufacturing is expected to ramp up in the fall, just in time to try and keep pace with cold and flu season. Kylie Stanton, Global News. To the North Okanagan now, where a new wildfire has just erupted in Cal Lake Provincial Park. BC Wildfire Service rushed to the scene late this afternoon, throwing a number of resources on the fire. The Cousins Creek wildfire, as it's known, is burning eight kilometers southeast of Vernon and within the park's boundaries. The fire is still relatively small at only one hectare, burning in timber and grass with rank two and three fire behavior. The B.C. Wildfire Service says what that means is organized flame front with a moderate rate of spread and occasional tree candling. So they're working hard to keep that under control. Tempest, the missing wolf pup, has been reunited with her pack at the Greater Vancouver Zoo.
The one-year-old gray wolf pup had been missing for 72 hours. It and Chia, another wolf, were able to get loose after someone cut the fencing to the park and their enclosure. Sadly, Chia died, apparently after being hit by a car along 264th Street. Authorities had been looking in the vicinity for Tempest, and she found out this morning, or she was found this morning, near the zoo property. Langley RCMP continue to investigate the vandalism and break-in at the zoo. Investigators are asking anyone with information to give them a call. The, do, uh, the zoo says it does plan to reopen to the public tomorrow. Innocent victims of a car crash feel like they've been kicked to the curb. He was standing on the sidewalk with his family when a car careened into them after a collision. His five-year-old daughter was hit, and the response from ICBC shocked them, and it might shock you too. That's next on the News Hour. Just a lovely little boy that brought the whole city together. Play La Bamba, baby. Farewell to Ben Stelter. How the whole city came out to pay respects to this Oilers super fan. And a family of lives up to its nickname, Trash Bandits. What they appear to have stolen captured in this photo later. Right now, though, a local family feels abandoned by ICBC after a crash that seriously injured their little girl. In a Global News exclusive, they reached out to us frustrated with their experience dealing with a provincial insurer. You might remember the crash last month at Cornwall and Arbutus when one of the vehicles involved in a collision at a notorious intersection struck a five-year-old. Imadagahi has their story. That's the pole over there. I have to face with it. It's the first time this Vancouver father has returned to the intersection where, in a split second, he nearly lost everything. The two cars collide right there, and they came right at us. On July 20th, he was walking home with his three young children after playing tennis at Kitts Beach. As they waited to cross the street at Cornwall and Arbutus, two cars would collide and jump the sidewalk. One vehicle pinning this five-year-old girl to the light post. She had a massive wound on her leg, opened, flesh, fat, broken bones. Baba, stay with me. Baba, just hug me. That's all she was saying. His daughter survived her injuries but faces a long recovery. His two sons unhurt that day, but like him, are still traumatized. My sons waking up in their own bed during the night, they think that this car is going to come and hit them. Now, as the family begins to move forward, they're finding ICBC's no-fault or enhanced care model difficult to process. Unhappy with the complexity of beginning a claim and delays in communication. Nothing is moving. I'm not getting any help. We are not getting any help. We are just just being ignored and neglected. The new no-fault model has generated something like two or 300 pages of new legislation, which makes it, frankly, virtually impossible for somebody who's recovering to understand their rights and how to access the, uh, the supports that they need. In a statement, ICBC says the family has access to a wide range of care and recovery benefits and it will endeavor to ensure they receive every benefit they're entitled to. If that poll wasn't there, we wouldn't be here. Also frustrating the family, 
The new model does not allow for victims to hire a lawyer and sue for things like pain, suffering and future earnings. All my daughter's screams, all my trauma, all my son's trauma has no value or compensation. Emadagahi, <sighs> Global News. Just ahead, his brand new bike disappeared. I'm honestly quite shocked and quite disappointed. Why a transit user is questioning the security of TransLink's secure bike storage. And is this the future of food? How a robot is helping in the kitchen and how they're still working out some of the kinks. Bike and ride. It's supposed to be a great way to get around. You park your bike at the SkyTrain station for just a dollar and then you jump onto transit. TransLink offers bike parkades monitored by CCTV cameras and they can only be accessed by people who are registered. TransLink says it's secure, but one man says it's not nearly as reliable as it seems. Romina Dea reports. Less than 48 hours after purchasing his new bike, it was gone. Yeah, I'm honestly quite shocked and quite disappointed. Monday evening, Victor Yen says he parked his $400 bike in the secure bike parkade at the Sky Train station at Main and Terminal. When he returned Wednesday, his new wheels had been stolen. The lock cut open. Why are we paying for this supposedly secure bike parkade when nobody is able to access the CCTV or monitor who's actually entering the bike parkade? Yen says TransLink and Transit Police initially did nothing to help him. We saw three security cameras in the bike room, which can only be accessed with a compass card if you've paid into the bike parkade program. Their response was also quite um, dismissive, and they said that they told me to contact whoever was in charge of the parkade security, um, aka TransLink. Transit police confirming late Friday afternoon it is investigating. I was more upset about how these facilities are advertised as secure um, and clearly aren't. Yen will likely never see his bike again. He did not record the serial number. His other bike was stolen three weeks ago. Transit police say the past two weeks have been bad. Bike thefts on the rise. Officers urging cyclists to register their bikes with Project 529. Record the serial number and don't store bikes in the parkade for an extended period of time. Romina Dea, Global News. One man is dead after a stabbing last night in Surrey. Surrey RCMP say they responded to reports of a stabbing around 10 p.m. near 184th Street and Fraser Highway. A man was transported to hospital in serious condition and later died from his injuries. Police say a canine unit was deployed to the scene and tracked down a suspect who was arrested. RCMP add there are indications there was a confrontation between the victim and several others before the stabbing. Homicide investigators are working to identify everyone involved. To the Tri-Cities now, where police are asking for any possible witnesses to come forward after a shooting in Port Coquitlam last night. No one was hurt in the incident, but it happened just before 10 p.m. in the 2600 block of Davies Avenue, which is just a few blocks away from a fatal targeted shooting on June 30th. Police ask anyone who might have seen anything or who has security or dash cam video to give them a call. Just ahead, a moving tribute in Edmonton today to a young hockey fan. 
how Ben Stelter made a lasting impression on players and fans around the league. And North Vancouver firefighters are making a difference in the Ukrainian war effort. What they did and how it's saving lives just ahead. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Do keep in mind that tomorrow night during the overnight hours, the Nordell on and off ramps from Highway 91 will be closed. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trisha Wilson in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. A group of North Vancouver firefighters is making a big difference for the people of Ukraine. The group was looking for a way to make a donation that mattered and found something to help save lives. As Paul Johnson reports, it's already there and making a big difference. At the District of North Vancouver Fire Department, Gerald Reynolds embodies the old saying, think global, act local. So I just started asking questions. A couple of months ago, Jared went looking for something for one of their fire engines. And rummaging around in a storage tent at their training center, he found some stuff that intrigued him. All of a sudden there's these wooden cots that all said uh, field hospital beds. What Jared had stumbled across was an old NATO standard 200 bed military field hospital. Sent to the west coast for disaster preparedness decades ago, it was long expired for use in Canada. So I proposed, can we send this to Ukraine? It seemed kind of easy at first, and then we realized it's a lot of logistics. Enter Brent Mudry, wow. recently retired from the RCMP and looking for a new challenge. He found one. Stick handling the endless details of packing it up, arranging shipment and payment, and getting it all from North Van to the eastern front in Ukraine where most of it is now. This stuff is already being used. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February, many governments, including Canada, have stepped up with military and humanitarian aid. But what's been most notably inspiring isn't just what governments have done, it's what people have done on their own. Ukrainian Canadians like Alex Kubshin won't soon forget it. I feel incredibly happy that we were able to count to help them at least with this. So for anyone whose medical needs are helped by this equipment, thank an imaginative fireman on the other side of the world. It does feel good to see it there. I know it's going to do some good. In North Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. A major milestone tonight for Canada's top court. Justice Michelle Obansawin has been appointed to the Supreme Court of Canada making her the first Indigenous person to sit on the highest bench in the country. Obansawin has spent the last five years as a judge at the Ontario Superior Court of Justice. She was the first Indigenous woman to hold that position. She is an Abenaki member of the Odenak First Nation in Quebec. She's bilingual, having grown up in a small Francophone community in northern Ontario. Obansawin will fill the vacancy left by Justice Michael Moldaver, who is set to retire next month. 
An emotional morning in Edmonton and really across the hockey community today. Thousands paying their respects to a little boy who brought a lot of joy to the city. Six-year-old Ben Stelter was known for his cry, play La Bamba, baby. And today was celebrated by fans and his hockey heroes after losing his battle with cancer. Global's Morgan Black has more. It's a song usually reserved for a playoff win. But this time, it marked an emotional loss. On Friday morning, fans lined both sides of 104th Avenue under Ford Hall to say goodbye to Ben Stelter. I drew angel wings and his um, favorite wordplay, La Bamba Baby. <laughs> The six-year-old died in early August after a battle with cancer. In his short life, he made an enormous impact on the Edmonton Oilers, fans, and his friends. Jameson Nickel went to kindergarten with Ben. You know, it was a special thing to be able to be connected to him and even get to be exposed to his incredible personality, even just a little bit. And he was so loving. He brought all the kids um, his special hockey card. Ben was beloved throughout the hockey world. Team Canada paid their respects ahead of the World Junior semifinals. Play our tributes to Ben, uh, you know, a special kid who really loved the game and uh, I think it was really important for the uh, Oilers organization. Fans say it was incredibly meaningful to be able to celebrate Ben's life at the place he loved, the home of the Edmonton Oilers. Just his compassion, his love for the game as we love the game. Just a lovely little boy that brought the whole city together. And together, we got to say thank you. Rest in peace, Ben, that's all. Morgan Black, Global News. And in health matters tonight, staffing shortages are forcing a hospital in the interior to keep its emergency department closed overnight. The ER at Dr. Helmkin Memorial Hospital in Clearwater is usually open around the clock, but since August 11th, it's operating from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. because of inadequate staffing levels. Interior Health confirms the limited hours will remain in place at least until August 26th. Clearwater residents are being told to use the ER at Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops instead or the 100 Mile House District Hospital, which is more than an hour away. In the southern interior, the emergency department at the South Okanagan General Hospital in Oliver was closed overnight and reopened this morning. It will have to close again temporarily. It'll be shut down starting at 6 p.m. on Saturday until 8 a.m. on Sunday. The IHA says the closure is due again to limited physician availability. Temporary closures have been common in recent months in smaller communities, forcing patients to seek emergency care elsewhere. In the case of Oliver, that means a roughly 40-minute drive to Penticton. Coming up in sports, a huge win for the Vancouver team representing Canada at the Little League World Series. But first, what could be the future of fast food? I want to be a McDonald's like that, KFC. <laughs> I want to open more horrible Canada. Yeah. One restaurant with a robot in the kitchen. Caught in the act, New Westminster police came face to face with some masked bandits holding a stolen wallet but these aren't your typical thieves. Here they are on 8th Avenue last night looking as guilty as can be. Evidence of the crime in plain sight. You can see the raccoon closest to the camera actually holding the stolen wallet. This might look like, like it, but it is not photoshopped. It's real. 
Police attempted to retrieve the wallet, but unfortunately the bandits were too quick and escaped with it. So if you think you lost your wallet in that area, you are asked to call New West Police. Let's hope they get it back eventually. All right, another hot one out there, although there were some showers that rolled through, but we did set some records. Yvonne's got all the details and weather now. Yeah, a few unofficial records, but just to showcase that we've had that record-breaking heat with Creston getting up to 35.7, the old record back in 2003. Salmon Arm sparward into the low 30s, and even areas near Chet went that, with that new record of 31.5. Here's a few other spots across the province into the low 30s. We saw that heat of Soyuz today getting up to 35 degrees, and many areas across Metro Vancouver are from the water when you factor in the humidex we were feeling into the low 30s we had a few showers roll through we're still looking at some instability we could still track them for the early evening hours and even a slight risk of a thunderstorm we've had active weather right across the island where we actually still have a severe thunderstorm watch that remains in effect for the eastern regions and in line with that line of thunderstorms we could see intense downpours also the potential for very gusty winds and hail across that region and that includes also the central half of the province for the caribou chicolton bulkley lakes and the valley where we could see that potential to become severe so we're keeping a close eye but we can see those lightning strikes with very active weather across the region and the intense downpours could see the potential for some flash floods and we could also be looking at some localized flooding with the hot conditions that we've seen we also wanted to keep in mind the fire danger rating the latest with most areas at a high right now we're seeing that blanketing in orange across the province and a few spots in extreme for the southeastern corners for the morning hours across metro vancouver we have a bit of cloud cover should ease off off with more sunshine through the afternoon. Areas of concern that could see the risk of thunderstorms will be for the central and southern interior. And then it eases off a bright spot, though, as we get in towards the latter half of the weekend for the interior with plenty of sunshine on deck and the heat will be on once again. We'll see that for Metro Vancouver midweek onwards. We're back into the low 30s and the temperature trend for the interior. We'll also see a surge in temperatures into next week. Inland tomorrow, hot one for the northern half of the province. It's the southern half that we could still see a bit of instability with that risk of thunderstorms. Most areas along the south coast a bit of cloud cover heating up towards the afternoon plenty of sunshine it's hot and sunny over the next little while all right tonight's weather window a great shot capturing the lightning robin caught this one over timothy lake chris based on that forecast we could be getting a lot more photos like that yes. maybe over the next couple of days beautiful one thanks very much robin and thanks yvonne all right a heat wave like the one we're sweating through can make spending your day in a restaurant kitchen quite a challenge but as Gil Tucker shows us, there's one new spot in Calgary where your co-workers can take the heat and they don't mind at all. It's pizza traditional style. Old fashioned all the way. Oven straight from Napoli, Italy. So it's a handmade brick oven. Same design for about 200 years. So how hot does it get in there? And we bake at around 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 400 Celsius. And try working beside it for hours in the middle of a heat wave. Yeah, you sweat in places you didn't know you could sweat. You'd usually suffer the same way if you're spending your day around deep fryers. But not at this new Calgary restaurant. We have robots, so um, it's really like uh, easy to work. It doesn't matter the hot weather or the cold weather. We always, we have the distance. It's not hot. But every now and then, they need a bit of hands-on human help. It's a chain out of South Korea, their first Canadian location. I want to be a McDonald's like that, KFC. I want to open horrible Canada. Yeah. 
So will others soon be making the switch to more high-tech help? Might be able to make a pizza one day with a robot, but we're going to keep doing this by hand. Well, it's, not, it's not comfortable, but it's, uh, it's not the end of the world. We love making pizza, so we do what we do. Bill Tucker, Global News. All looks good. It all looks tasty, but you know me, Squire. Much I prefer, uh, you know, I, I like humans to make human food. You know what? It is nice. Let's keep as many people employed as exactly. we can, I say. All right, what do you got coming up? Okay, so the uh, Little Leaguers from Little Mountain are doing big things at the World Series. Here's Ben Dartnell. First pitch swinging. In the air to right and to the wall. Yeah, Canada beat Japan today. That's a country that's won this event 11 times. And now the kids from Little Mountain are 2-0. and So exciting for them. Also, it's Friday, so that means we've got satellite debris. Squires back with sports. Lions have been rolling lately. Yes, and they'll play shortly. They're good enough to not kick off until our show is done. Wasn't that <laughs> nice of them? Oh, nice. Isn't good of them? Okay. <laughs> so they're in Regina. They're getting ready for the game against the Rough Riders in a few minutes. Another chance, of course, for Nathan Rourke to impress even more last week against Calgary. He overcame a bad start, not by the team. Well, the team had a bad start, but also personally. He wasn't good at the start of the game, and that might have rattled a lot of other young quarterbacks or even veteran quarterbacks, but it didn't rattle him, and he led BC to a last-second win over the Stampeders. He's been getting praise from people all over the football world, even the Lions defensive coach Ryan Phillips, who doesn't coach him, but says Rourke has the traits only the really good ones have. Hey, his short memory, um, his attention to detail, the IQ is way beyond his years, um, but regardless of the fact, man, there's just some throws and, and things that he's capable of doing that other guys can't. Um, the arm strength and the velocity of the ball, um, where the ball placement, those things, even when you have good coverage and he can still fit things in there, man, that makes it very difficult for anybody. And, you know, so I love the success he's having. And like I said, he's definitely panning out to be one of the best guys, not only in the league, but, you know, for definitely the years to come, he can turn out to be, you know, a Hall of Famer in future years. Jackson Maravich had himself a game for Little Mountain, representing Canada at the Little League World Series against Japan here as a double play all by himself. Then they asked him to become a relief pitcher, and he struck out 10 batters. Then when he had the bat in his hand in the sixth inning with the score still 0-0, he breaks the tie and starts an onslaught of Canadian runs. Canada scored six times in the final ben inning. Ben Dartnell clearing the bases here by putting this one over the right fielder's head. Canada hasn't been scored on yet. They've outscored Australia and Japan 13-0 combined, so they get to play Monday against Mexico. Another tough game, but it'll be tough for Mexico as well. Okay, so at the World Junior Hockey Championships, Logan Stankoven of Kamloops, all the BC boys leading the way today. Dan Coven set up Port Moody's Kent Johnson to make it 1-0 against Czechia. This is a semifinal game. 
Winner goes to the gold medal tomorrow. Then North Vancouver's Connor Bedard. Yep, that's the shot we always talk about. 2-0 for Canada. Then Johnson sets up Stan Coven. Goes in alone. Kamloops' Dylan Duran, who's from the island, also played great. He was the goalie. Canada wins at 5-2. They're off to the gold medal game against either the Finns or the Swedes who are playing right now. Finland's up 1-0 in that game. So the Whitecaps are in Salt Lake City tomorrow, which is a quick turnaround from playing Wednesday night at home when they beat Colorado 2-1. In that game, the Whitecaps came out, applied some pressure, had a 2-0 lead at halftime, but by the end of the game, they were tired. They looked like some of those people you see at the end of the sun run. They just hung on for the win. But if they can start tomorrow's game, the way they started that last game, they might be able to get a point out of this one. Steal from Gressel. Gressel. And a touch, it's in! Ryan goal! The Whitecaps are pressing hard for a playoff spot, and that ticket to the postseason will likely come based on the success of their press, which is a high-pressure tactic to force turnovers. It worked to perfection last game out versus Colorado. They scored two goals directly from that press. But it is a physically demanding way to play, and considering they play again just 72 hours later in Salt Lake, it'll take all of their energy to do it again. The guys were still tired from the gate, to be honest. We, we couldn't train with that, the intensity that you want to train. The Whitecaps will definitely make some changes to get fresh legs in at altitude in Salt Lake. But another way to save energy is to have the ball instead of chasing after it. Nobody wants to just be chasing all the time. We all want to, to spend more time with the ball. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're a, even though we're not a team that's got a lot of possession, um, we try to be as effective as possible when we do have it. So, um, yeah, the more time we can spend with it, the better. Any road points would help the Whitecaps playoff cause immensely. With just eight games left, their fate is in their hands. Get the results and get into the playoffs. Being able to control our own destiny and go into every game like it's, we say it, but every game is a final now. You know, eight games left and every single point matters. Um, so being there, we understand how important every single minute, every single game is, and we just want to make the most of it. Second round of the BMW Championship. This is the second FedEx Cup playoff tournament. This is Canada's Corey Connors, who right now is second in this tournament. One shot off the lead of Adam Scott. Here's one of the reasons why he's second. He's at seven under par. So is Spieth, so is Scheffler, so is Cam Young. So it's a crowded leaderboard. How about Taylor Pendrith, another Canadian? Second shot in the par 411. Hop, hop. Oh, eagle. Beautiful. Top 30 advance to the uh, finals next week. Adam Hadwin needs a big weekend. He's currently 23rd in this tournament. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. We've got more for you, including satellite debris coming up next. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? And Chris, a jolting experience for a couple in North Vancouver today. They were sitting in their backyard in Lower Lonsdale when a tree no more than a few meters away was hit by lightning. They say the explosion was almost deafening and tree bark came raining down on them. Plus, a tree has come down on some vehicles at Oak and 27th in Vancouver. This was just a short time ago. The good news, witnesses on the scene say no one was killed, but for at least one driver, it was a pretty narrow escape. You'll hear from her tonight on Global News at 11. Chris. Amazing. All right. Thanks very much, Jordan.
Okay, we'll bring Squire back in now for satellite debris. Take it away. Okay, I don't know if this happens anymore. Remember for a while you would go on some website and you'd click on it and suddenly that Rick Astley video would show up from 1987? It's getting Rick rolled. It's being exactly. Rick rolled. Yeah. Okay, so an insurance company figured, let's Rick roll everybody. Here we go. <laughs> years later you cannot help but bop around to that too yeah <laughs> all right uh, here's uh we had that thing about the raccoons earlier so yeah. we have raccoons coming up and also an old favorite from uh, skittles well this is awful try it oh no that looks gross what is that you got to try it it's terrible i don't want to try it if it's terrible it's like mango chutney and Burnt hair. No, thank you. I have a very sensitive palate. Just try it! Guys, I think we should hurry up. If you taste something bad, you want someone else to try it. It's what you do. I can't get the taste out of my mouth. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Shh. Dog, 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 All right, let's do this. I got minds to twist and values to warp. Mr. Tyler, your Skittles portrait. That is E to the Z, ooh, tweedly disgusting! You haven't heard me sing diddly-ding yet. Dream on. Higher. Dream on. I think a little higher. Dream on. <laughs> Dream on. Rock the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Okay, so over the years, uh, we have shown some really spectacular ads where they've fit in old footage over new footage or new footage over old footage. So this is what you're going to see. Let me explain this. What you're going to see is a scene from Rocky II, the movie Rocky II. This is for Ladbrokes, the betting company in England. But they're going to change everybody around Sylvester Stallone and make this a whole new thing. You'll see what I mean. Here we go.
Spectacular. That was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Very great scene. Putting all new people, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's Rocky II, I believe. Rocky II. I, yeah. can't, I can't remember. I always it's I had in my mind that's the after original. After Adrian woke up in the hospital and said, win. Yeah. Something like that. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay, last word on weather as we head into the weekend here for Mivon. A little bit of instability still this evening. We may even see a few lightning strikes or that risk of thunderstorms. Well, cloud cover tomorrow morning, it should ease off, but we've got another warm one in store. And then as we look in the long range, we'll see that heat making a surge, especially for the interior as we get in midweek onwards. So hot and sunny over the weekend, more sunshine in store for our Sunday highs between 25 and 28 degrees. And then Wednesdays when we can see those temperatures back into the low 30s and that's away from the water. All right, thanks very much. And uh, good luck to the BC Lions. Thanks for holding off. Yeah, until we finish. Go ahead. You now you guys can start. You can flip the coin. You guys can start now. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.